All right, hello everyone. This is the acclaimed Checking It Twice podcast. Checking It Twice. I'm Brian. And Michael. And he's Michael. And what we do on this he's special? Brian. Yes. I said he's he's Brian after he said he's Michael. Oh, I thought you were. It was cute. You were asking me something, um, but well. you weren't. So anyway, after that flawless introduction, let me tell you <laughs> that what we do on this podcast is we basically we like to review different like Christmas specials and films and the reviewing process that we undertake is quite unique because i will check it and michael will check it and when you add one and one together it becomes two thus we have checking it twice 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 sorry i said it a third time we'll take that part out so (laughs) today we're looking at an amazing masterpiece. Yeah, speaking of flawless introductions. Speaking of <laughs> flawless, and I, I, I am not at all kidding when I say this. Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas, an absolute certified Christmas classic bop. Um, a banger, if you will. A banger. A, it slaps. It slaps. Uh, so this was released on home video on November 9th, 1999 later in that same month we'd also get toy story 2 so it may be the best month in recorded history um and it's also kelsey grammar's in both so a little common factor he's a narr- he's the narrator the magical narrator and this is a movie i would watch uh religiously as a child i had the video same, same. i loved it would watch it all the time, probably even when it wasn't Christmas, because it would help you feel like it was Christmas. It just had that special vibe. Yep. And me too. I think it holds up remarkably well over twenty years later. And I just it hits me each time. Like I'm so I'm so glad that I still enjoy it as much now. You know, like it like we we, we just we watched yeah. it together just before recording this. And and basically the the running thing throughout the view the viewing experience was just Michael or I each saying something to the effect constantly, this is a masterpiece, this is a ten out of ten. Like with Charlie Brown, I was like I've seen this like t- dozens and dozens of times throughout my life, right. but I kind of want to like sit down and like watch it critically this time mm-hmm. because you know I'm like older now, I I am able to think critically when watching things, and then. We get like one minute in, and I'm like, okay, I don't care. I'm I'm swept up in the magic. I I'm just watching this as a fan. I don't care about critical thinking. That's right. I'm a kid right now. That's right. It, it this makes me feel like a child. So many different parts are just so nostalgic for me. Same. But there are definitely things that are nostalgic for me, and that like they'll you you described it so well. The the feeling. Do you do you remember what you said? This was early on into the movie. Yeah, yeah, it was like a song. Yeah, yeah. Like everything, it just blends together perfectly. Right. I have things that like are are similar to that because I watched them a bunch of times. Like there's like Scooby Doo 2002. Like I'm sure elements of that like feel like a song when when I watch it. But I could still watch it and be like, well, I th- there's there's stuff I like, but I don't know if this is a. I, I wouldn't go around calling it a masterpiece. So it's not just my nostalgic goggles that are making me view it this way. No. This is a, a true work of art. Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas is fantastic. So let's get right into this. Uh, the feeling that you wait to feel all year. 
Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas, uh, starting with the first segment. Because here's the thing, if you're not familiar, this, this is not any ordinary movie. It's divided into three segments, and Michael and I both individually came to the conclusion and made the joke to each other that this is the best Treehouse of Horror special ever. And not only is it the best. It is. It's probably the first one that each of us saw. Yeah, I can't imagine myself watching anything else with this, like, style of storytelling. It also was probably my first Christmas movie. And I feel like it was my first time loop story, which which transitions us perfectly, thank you to myself, a little pat on the back, to Donald Duck Stuck on Christmas, the official title of segment one. Because you know, Michael... We love Christmas. We love it a lot. We're doing a whole podcast about specials that are just inspired by it. We are. But we can't have that feeling all year. If we have it all year, it's not special. It's not. It's just waking up and driving to work kind of a feel. Look, subversive masterpiece of a Christmas film that Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas is. We, We get five and a half minutes in and Christmas is already over. It's over. Uh, because the, it starts with Donald and, and Daisy and Huey, Dewey, and Louie. They're all, they're all g- gathered together, uh, with, with, also with Scrooge and Aunt, what's her face? Aunt Gertie, who's not in any <laughs> other Disney thing, I don't think. I think she's just in this, as far as I know. Uh, they're all getting together for, for Christmas. And you think that's gonna be it, and it's the, it's the end of the day. And I feel like, I, especially, you know that feeling when you're a kid when the end of Christmas Day approaches and you're just so sad? Yeah. If you, because a, a year is going to take forever. I still even kind of feel a sense of this, even as an adult. You're like, oh my gosh, it'll be a whole year to Christmas again? This sucks. Like, like honestly, this short um, like kind of captures the feeling of like when, when the living room is all blue, kind of sad. Everyone's still there. It's like, eh, it's not... It's not the same as it was when I woke up. Like, that's visually just invoked the same feeling. So that's just how strong the visual storytelling is. That's right. In Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas. That's Donald right. Duck, Stuck on Christmas. That's right. 1999. And, and you know who was stuck on the premise of Stuck on Christmas? Probably Butch Hartman, because he stole it for that Fairly Odd Parents episode, didn't he? He just stole it. You remember? Maybe. You remember? Didn't, they, didn't Timmy whisk for Christmas, like, over and over? <laughs> Probably, I don't know. You don't remember? Oh, that was. I just an remember episode. the "It's a Wonderful Life" episode. No, no, that that was absolutely an episode of Fairly Odd Parents. And look, I know, I know that this is based on the short story by William Dean Howells, though you know the author we all know. I was about to say that too. Yeah, William Dean Howells, "Christmas Every Day," the eighteen ninety two short story. But we all know Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas, Donald Duck Stuck on Christmas, perfected it. Okay. So, and that's not the only classic story that Nikki's Once Upon a Christmas perfected. That's right. But we'll get to there when we get to there. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll get to there. Don't worry. We'll take you there. Um yeah, I, I because what starts happening is the the boys, you know what they do? They make a wish on a star and they wish for it to be Christmas every day and you know they they get their wish and they're really happy about it. They just kind of go with the flow. They're not like what like, they're not that puzzled. They just see, like, each day on the calendar. I mean, they get their wish. Like, like, yeah. what do you want them to do? Like, oh, never mind. I wished for it rhetorically. No, no, no. But, Michael, here's the thing. I, I'm half expecting, like, any other time loop narrative that we're going to have to go through a prolonged period of them being like, what? 
what's happening? I'm confused before they can start enjoying it. But like right on like the first time they loop, they're like, oh, cool. We could like sled more and stuff like this is great. You know? Yeah. <laughs> because as uh, any like true kid would feel, I, I assure you. Right. And, and I think that's helped by like the abbreviated run times of each of these. They're all like, you know, like about 20 minutes a piece. And, you know, they, they are very economical in their storytelling, but they never feel rushed. Like, they're all the perfect length for their, the stories they're trying to tell, uh, which there's a lot of irony to that because this whole story in this first one is all about something that goes on way longer than it should, Christmas, every day for a very long time, Michael. Yeah, we were looking through the little montage of how many times, like, the calendar flew by, and I would say it was, like, at least a year's worth of Christmases that these these triplets have lived through. Yeah. Well, these triplets knowingly have lived through. Right. And everyone else have lived through unknowingly. <laughs> yes, yes, without consciousness, because they didn't make the wish. So they're just doomed to eternally repeat the cycle. And, <laughs> the, like, we, I, I was looking, at, because the montage starts happening, where I get, where we really get the loops quicker and quicker. And I like how, because it's, it's like, formulaic at first of, like, okay, you're going to always get these beats and then it starts kind of playing around like you'll hear something off screen or it'll like cut to less of them and it gets just erratic and like a fever dream with like the dissolves and everything and once they start showing those like calendar pages with the little december 25th on them fly by like i tried to like it's it's impossible to count but it it looks like it's at least like 200 of them that fly by but i'm sure that it's at like at least like a full year a year's worth of Christmas. In fact, we headcanon, we think it's been like eons of, of Christmas. Like m- millennia has gone on for Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and they're just trapped. Christmas, like post-Christmas, Chris- December 26th, becomes the new Christmas because they're just anticipating it so much. That's brilliant, Michael. And, and it feels like it never comes. Well, because that's yeah. the thing. When you keep having to live the same events over and over, it starts to feel meaningless they get so tired of it like when donald he keeps look that little slapstick thing he does with the pancakes hilarious at first second time still a banger when you see it the 300 millionth time you know to be honest i'm still laughing but huey dewey and louie seem a little sick of it yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like yep yeah no they could they could like use their wag their little finger and, and and mime the whole thing but look any good time loop story is about nihilism, right, Michael? So that's why they say we got to do something to line no, things yeah. up. And that's when they go, all right, let's be bad little boys. And how does that go for them, Michael? Well, Brian, it doesn't go great. Dare I say it goes poorly. I would tend to agree that it goes rather poorly. Because, um, like, it gets heavy. And this is something that will recur throughout the special, that it is extremely emotional. Like, they're, all the stories are very funny at times, but they're also all, like, <laughs> certainly, like, heartfelt and touching. And you have that great moment where, like, after, like, the whole, like, day has been ransacked by Huey, Dewey, and Louis shenanigans. And they, like, take the, you know, the, the, they're supposed to have the turkey. And they swap out the cooked turkey with a live one for the dinner table. And, oh, uh, by the way, Michael, uh, did you notice that they're, they're having a bird? And they're also birds? Weird cartoon. How silly. Okay, this special's bad. I'm joking. How silly. Look at me. I'm so smart. I'm so yeah, we're, smart. We're so smart. I noticed they're both birds. 
You know what? Woodstock's having a turkey. What the? What's happening, Michael? What's happening? We hate those kinds of people. Enough already. We get it. Weird cartoon. Does it really bother you that much? Can you not sleep at night because you're thinking about this? <laughs> just in, just enjoy the art, please. Anyway, so sk- sk- skipping over that little little cannibalism tangent that doesn't matter. Uh, this <laughs> the, they, they, they go through this whole wild day where there are tricksters and pranksters. And it, it, it's just a, a terrible Christmas. And, the, and that, and, and Donald, like, you said, you remember what you said about what Donald does? Yeah, the, so even after, like, a crummy day of everything going wrong and poorly, even Donald, who's typically, like, he's never really the optimist of the group. Let's, let's be honest. Um, but even then, after everything's destroyed, he still looks at the standing tree and he's like, well, at least we have the tree. And he's just happy. Like, it's just a weird... It's, like, uncharacteristic, but it still feels like it's in character. Because it's like, yeah, it's Christmas. Like, you know, he's still, like, around a bunch of people that he loves. He's still happy. Right, and then the tree like, falls on him. And then the tree falls on him. So, like, just... It it puts out his little ounce of hope that he was trying to give to his family. I think... Uh, like- I, and I, I, I was crying. <laughs> This I was crying when <laughs> this short. Is this got, the saddest moment in the movie? I I think so. Yeah. It was really affecting. Like he just the way he read like Tony Anselmo reads the line of at least we still have the tree and like this optimistic yet broken voice. Uh and then it it lands on him and Daisy who's like, you know, sees him in pain. And approaches him and so gently says, Donald, are you all right? And then they read the note, the note that they've been avoiding the whole time, the note that was attached to their to the little little sleds that Uncle Donald gave them. But they never read that included card and they finally read it. And it, 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 it shows Christmas isn't just about those gifts that they keep getting over and over again, that it's about being with family. Because the, the presents, it's, look, there, there's only so much you could get out of these presents. And, and that's illustrated by repeating it over and over again. Gifts are arbitrary. You basically, you're basically doing the same thing every year. You're just getting, what, what's so different about presents each year? You know what's precious? The time spent with family. That's what's precious. And they realize that. And the next day is a day that not only do they be much better to their family, but they inc- I I watch this when I'm a kid and I look at this and see the positive effect that they have on the people around them that I, I, I it made me want to be a good person. It made me want to be a good person. Even after seeing other like stories of a similar nature, mm. this, it still makes me want to like go out and be a good person. Why would you not want to live life this way? You want the the other like even even if you didn't have the horrible day when you were like actively bad, even the days when they were just like okay, that's not as that's, that 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 didn't fill their hearts with as much joy, and it also didn't free them from an eternal prison. So why would you not want to live life like this? A beautiful special story. Bradley Raymond was the director, and I think I think when you hear what else he's done. 
you'll realize just why th- that th- th- Stuck on Christmas is like a flawless masterpiece. Because you know what else he directed? The Lion King one and a half. I, I do want to I do want to note that I was crying throughout the entirety of their good ending day. Ah, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, as you should, Michael, as you should. The ducks, they got to me. They did. They get to they they got to me too. It was very it was very emotional. Um but what the uh, one other thing I'll say about uh Donald Duck stuck on Christmas is that I feel like Donald as a character is at his best when he's an uncle because you see it really like accentuates his caring qualities like you said about like oh maybe it's like a little out of character for him to be on the brighter side but i think what they've done so well not just in this movie but with donald in general is like whenever like his soft spot is those boys and they and they do that in ducktales 2017 as well um so they're just really clever about how they do that and let a character who's often so like fiery with like temper tantrums and 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 all that have like a nice gooey center and that's why i feel like donald's at his best when he's an uncle in the same way that goofy's at his best when he's a dad and that takes us into a very goofy christmas michael it's a very goofy christmas not an extremely goofy christmas just a very goofy christmas not an extremely goofy christmas but there is a reference to an extremely goofy movie, or rather, you could say, an extremely goofy movie paid reference to this movie. Uh, it's very subtle. The old stuffed bear that Max used to call old stuffed bear. <laughs> that bear is at the beginning of an extremely goofy movie, like when Max goes goes off to college, uh, and it had th- there's like a little part with it, uh, which is really cool attention to detail. I wonder if it was the same people that worked on both little productions. But suffice to say that. This is the chapter in the Goofy Movie Trilogy that no one talks about. And it's probably... I'm gonna... Hot take. I think it's the second best. I think this is probably better than an extremely Goofy Movie. A Goofy Movie, you know, classic. Gets a full-length running time. It, like, in theaters. It's not. It's, it's, it's hard for it to really be a contest. But this is so good. And it's certainly better than the, the Max Goof segment in Twice Upon a Christmas. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to Twice Upon a Christmas at the end of this. I, I, I don't even want to bring it up. But what's so good about it, uh, and, and when I say it, I'm referring to a very goofy Christmas. Let me make that very clear. Not Twice Upon a Christmas. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It, what's so good about it is that it continues to do the thing that is so smart about the Goofy Max stories and what and what's so smart about them is it allows there to be a perfect balance between slapsticky sh- shenanigans and like an emotional story uh and also uh much like a goofy movie it really utilizes Pete which is something that can't like Pete's in an extremely goofy movie but he doesn't really like he's b- barely in it uh and you, but this utilizes Pete as like a kind of grounded quasi antagonist that shows like kind of like the the cynical angle of like how you could you know bring up your kid and like be more realistic and stuff and like you you have that dynamic which i feel like is also essential uh because it's not like he's the villain of this piece so to speak and he's not the villain of a goofy movie either but i think it is a, like an important presence to be felt in in, in the special but uh what did, uh what what did you think of a very goofy christmas michael I liked it. I do personally think it's the weakest of the three, but that's not because it's weak. It's just because I like the other two more. 
So, I see where you're coming from, but I still want you to thoroughly explain. <laughs> Why? Uh, I enjoy, like, Donald and the gang, and Mickey and Minnie more than I enjoy Goofy and Max. What? I like Max better when he's, like, a little bit older. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, like, I still enjoyed this the, this one. It's I still liked it a lot. It still made me believe in the magic of Christmas. Okay. Are you sure? Yes. I said that to you while we were watching it. It made me believe in magic. Okay, okay. Well, that's good to know. Being objective as possible while watching this, I can see that. And and let me make it clear. This whole movie is a 10 out of 10. Everything in it is a 10 out of 10. I would never criticize any of it. But if I had to criticize any of it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this one, th- th- there is like some occasional stuff that I th- I would maybe tweak if if I had been involved, and I'll and I'll get to it as we walk through it. Um, we, because we start with going into the mall, uh, like trying to send the letter and that whole scene, which I I loved so much as a kid. Such a cool action set piece. Really like good way to like pick up the the energy, like p- like take the baton from like the really high energy stuck on Christmas. And then you get, like, all the stuff about, like, yeah, Pete, like, like saying, uh, Santa's not real, and it, it kind of establishes that this is going to be a story about faith and, like, wh- like how we're meant to b- believe in Santa, even though, like, the logistics behind it doesn't really make sense. And Max kind of raises a lot of questions that I feel like any kid watching is really going to internalize. I felt like I internalized. I was like, yeah, I mean, how does he, <laughs> how does he go to that many houses in one night? It's a lot to do. And, like, Goofy's trying to help. He's like, oh, the reindeer antlers help to create the lift and blah, 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 blah. But it's, look, it's it's very difficult to explain, Michael. It's very difficult to explain. And I think, arguably, that this is a better segment if you don't see Santa at the end. I think that's the main thing against it, honestly. Uh, I understand why they had to do that. Because, you know, it's, like, a family film, and, like, after a lot of lengthy, thorough discussion about how Santa probably doesn't make any sense, you need to show something. But I think maybe just, like, a little bit more ambiguity to the way that it was depicted could have went a long way. So, like, and I've also seen people talk about, like, how it could have been interesting if, like, Pete was kind of a jerk in the beginning... Uh, like, saying that, like, you know, they shouldn't believe in the Santa, and then by the end, like, he kind of saw that they were upset and, like, turned it around and, like, did something to make them, like, in the same way that Goofy tried to dress up as Santa for Max, and Max later tries to dress up as Santa uh, for for Goofy. Yeah, roll of threes. Yeah, that Pete does it, and it's, like, and they they both buy into it. Like, I, I think there could have been something there. Uh, that said, as is, I do enjoy the the flipped dynamic of of them each doing it. Because you would expect, the traditional way for this story to go is, of course, the father trying to trick the son. But what you get, the benefit you get out of it when you have Goofy is that, you know, Goofy, uh, you know, he's he's a Goofy guy. I don't know if you know know this. So you can do a little role reversal and he he can buy into his tiny little son (laughs) dressing up as Santa. (laughs) Which... Arguably, also, that's maybe a little too goofy for Goofy. I know his name's Goofy, but that's quite goofy. It's extremely goofy, and we're not at an extremely goofy movie yet. This is just very goofy. I think that's something that could be said. But I feel bad how much... That, that's way too much criticism that we're, we're giving towards Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas. Yeah, like, like I feel yeah. like that sounds 
worse than how we actually feel about it. Yeah, no, no, don't worry. I have more to say about A Very Goofy Christmas. I'm rolling right past that. The the whole thing, and I think this is where we really start to establish uh, this theme, which kind of carries through the rest of the movie. Uh, The helping of the less fortunate... Did you kind of pick up on this as, a, like, a really important thread in this movie? Yes. Yeah. It's not something I really remembered from watching it as a kid. But, like, this time it really stood out to me. It feels... like I think that element is what really helps escalate this movie to feeling, like, so genuine. Like, kind of transcending, like, oh, it's this big Disney home video release that children all over the world will see and stuff like this feels like so homely like it's that aspect that makes me think like oh yeah well there was like you know a little animation team that worked on each of the specials and like they put it together with like love and care and you know it was just like a like tiny division that like really cared about what they were doing like that it just feels so personal and i love how they establish again i think this furthers the idea of cuz in stuck on christmas you get it in the sense of like okay well you're helping your own family of course like you want to do nice things for your family and your extended family when they come to visit totally tracks here th- that feeling goes beyond that to then like helping the like the neighbors and like oh santa's he's on, on a tight schedule this time of year so you got to give him a helping hand and it's just more encouragement to be a good person and like that little moment when Goofy talks to those parents and they're like, it's just it was so tight this year. And it's just like, oh, I would do, I, you would do the same for me if I was in your position. Like, that's so, like, sweet and, like, subtly done that you kind of just don't even notice when you're a kid. But, like, wow, like, he, Goofy doesn't have to do any of this. He's just a really good guy, Michael. He's just a really good guy, yeah. He's just nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just pleasant to watch. Yeah. And also, like... The little Christmas uh, traditions that uh, are, are brought up by Goofy. I know, like, I haven't, and, and, and I'll ask you if, you if you've done this. I, I never did the open just one present on Christmas Eve, but I did I sometimes do. You you have? Yes. That's awesome. Uh, would you would you pick, like a, like, a little present on purpose, or what would you do? Um, I would let my parents pick which one. Oh, that's exactly what, <laughs> that's exactly how I go about Christmas still. Uh, like, like on the actual day, I'll be like, which one should I open? Yeah. It's like, which, which, what's the order? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to blow the climax. I want to go in the intended order. It's like when I look up the, the Steven Universe episodes, like what, what order <laughs> am I supposed to watch them in? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't want the Cartoon Network order. I want the Crooniverse order. I want the Crooniverse order. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Christmas sets you up for that. But what I was going to say is the tradition that I did kind of feel inspired by from this movie is eating one of Santa's cookies before bedtime. Uh, that that one, I feel, I feel like, because I remember doing that, I must have been inspired by this. So that definitely I is I don't believe that we ever did that specific thing. I definitely remember, like, setting out cookies and milk and stuff, right. but I don't remember eating just one of them. Well, Michael, that's exactly why we compliment each other beautifully and perfectly and that's why we had to do this podcast it was destiny um but like but the stuff of when goofy is really he's trying so desperately for his son very mutual feeling of they want each other to be happy because goofy wants it because he's then shoveling the snow that says like don't forget max and yeah like I, i for me i feel like when i was a kid that this one was my favorite I also just really loved, like, the Goofy movies. So I, I definitely wanted to say that. And that's why we complement each other perfectly. Yes, ex- exactly. Um, 
And look, uh, th- there there is that one little. Did you notice an error, Michael? So the part when Max, little Maxie, he's trying to sleep, right? And it's getting really. Oh, late. yep, I did notice this. Yeah. <laughs> so it was four thirty nine a.m. and then it was three a.m. But like, it's not like a whole day went by. So you might think that this is an error, or perhaps a more apt name for it in this case would be a goof. <laughs> but. I propose that it's not an error. You know what my theory is, Michael? Nonlinearity. <laughs> Close. Close. I think. Because we already know that, like, all these characters later come together at the end to, to sing a big, like, medley together. So I propose that Huey, Dewey, and Louie's wish caused the day to reverse, and it kept happening for Max until he finally treated his father right and, like, tried to, like, make him feel better by dressing up as Santa and do the whole thing. And that's when Santa came. That's 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 my headcanon. We just happen to be seeing, like, the last day. I like that. You like that? <laughs> that's my theory, too. I, th- I thought of that while watching the movie. I've never thought that before. Uh, but that's what I'm throwing out there. So I hope that they never fix that error, and they probably never will because it's been 21 years. Uh, yeah, if they would have fixed it, it would have been for the Disney Plus release. Yeah, it, exactly, and and they did not. Um, so, and look, those closing lines with the every year I ask for the same gift, your happiness, and Max saying, "Uh oh, I got you the same thing." C- come on, that's precious. Like, th- no, yeah, it's perfect. It's perfect. And then he goes, and then at the end, he shares his present with little Jimmy next door. He's like, he's still helping the less fortunate. That so, the, so they, so they didn't forget about that. That wasn't just a tangent. That's a whole part of it. It's not just he got that, like, skateboard he wanted. It's he's going to share. He's going to share the magic. So, it's still... Look, it, criticism be darned, it's a 10 out of 10. I don't care what I said. In fact, I'm mad at myself for saying anything negative about it. There, it there's co-directors on uh, The Very Goofy Christmas. Uh, one of them is June Falkenstein. What she directed, and this is really cool, she directed... The Tigger movie, and I feel like I, I, I maybe a citation needed that like I know it's not like like part of the like the Walt Disney Animation canon like of like the, the you know fifty plus features it's not considered among those but it's is that the first Disney animated theatrical release directed by a woman is it it might be maybe the Tigger movie is great it was something that was supposed to be direct to video but then they were like yo this movie's baller it's going in theaters. Like, <laughs> that's what they said. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm reading the, the, the test screening notes. Yeah. The kid said, this is baller. No, I wasn't laughing at you saying it. I was laughing for some other unknown, unrelated reason. Right. So, so that, that was one of the two directors on, on it. The other one was Bill Shears, an assistant director for Beauty and the Beast, The Enchanted Christmas. Oh, actually, you know what? You know what? I'm glad I checked that. I'm glad I checked that, Michael. Because there's a little reference to the Enchanted Christmas in A Very Goofy Christmas. It's that, like, angel thing that they put on the tree. You know, you know your boy Bill Spears was was putting that in there to pay tribute to his his 1997 work. So I think that brings us to Mickey and Minnie's Gift of the Magi. Based on another short story from 1905 by O. Henry. And when, I, and when I say O. Henry, I don't mean like, it, it, it's, it's like O. apostrophe Henry. I mean O. period Henry, which is a pen name for William Sidney Porter. 
And it's a, it's a classic short story, uh, wh whether or not you've read it. I know, I remember in English class one year, I feel like it was in like eighth grade or something, uh, we read it the last day before Christmas break, and I distinctly recall someone in the class saying, wait, this reminds me, this, this is like Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas, <laughs> which made me very happy to hear. I remember thinking a very similar thought the first time I heard the actual story. Really? I was like, yeah, oh my gosh, that's like Mickey. It, it, this is a, it's a story about being not fancy or flashy. Uh, that the, the, and this gift can be, it can be given by the rich or the poor. It's a gift of the heart, and it means so much more. And Mickey and Minnie in this special, look, say what you want about the, the mice. Uh, of of the of the of the Disney main cast and like people said like Mickey's like boring or whatever or, or whatnot, they in, in this one they are so like this is probably the most loving that they've ever been towards each other like no like they're so sweet in this. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like even their pets were like, oh look, look at them. <laughs> <laughs> they're so cute. And it's definitely, it's it, it's heightened by a few things. One is their poorer status, which again continues the meditation on being less fortunate. And it kind of heightens it the most you can because it's literally saying, like, Mickey and Minnie are poor. Like, it, it's not even just like, oh, well, Goofy and Matt, you know, they're they're fine, but they're just helping support people over there. No, your, your icon, your Mickey and Minnie, they're poor. They're poor people. Um, that's that's interesting and representative in a, in a, in a fascinating way. Uh, but also, we have the fact of the voice actors, who unfortunately, uh, at this point, have both passed away. Uh, you have Wayne Elwine and Rusi Taylor. Uh, Rusi Taylor not only played Minnie, she also played Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Did you know that? I did not know that. Well, now you know. Um, now I know. Do you, do you know another, uh, fact about, uh, Wayne and Rusi? They're married in real life. Yes. Here, like, they get a chance, like, and even even though it's not like they're together the whole story or anything, in the, in the little scenes they have, they really make the most of it. And, like, they have the, oh, you sure I'm not eating out of House of Home? Oh, of course not, silly, I have plenty. And, like, all the, just a little, like, it's so, like, you're like, this is the OTP. Like, they, they deserve to be icon status. Like, this is, they're great. It, I feel like I'm walking into, like, a house that I haven't been into, like, for a while. Like, like you know... The holiday season, when you travel and you go to your family member's house, that's how I feel every time, like, we go to Minnie's house, because I'm like, I feel like I know the house. It, it just feels very homely and cozy in, like, a place that I go to every year. That should be her canon house. They should be canon poor. I, I wish that the mega-capitalist Disney would depict the, their icons as, as poor uh, to emotionally manipulate me more often, because it works wonders. <laughs> Um, so then we get to, uh, the whole, like, Christmas tree sale with the ten-footers, and, and, and we, we see Pete again, and we also see Daisy again later with Minnie, and it's interesting, did, did you pick up on anything about, uh, Pete and Daisy in this, Michael, compared to the rest of the movie? Visually, they looked a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I just liked how they were, they were willing to, like, stylize them a little bit differently, to be like, oh yeah, well, this is its own, it's its own story. So it's what like help further accentuate that by like taking the same characters and making them look a bit different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you have this scene, and and Mickey it really needs to get tips as he, as he tells Pluto. He's, he he needs to get Minnie her her gift. He needs to get that Christmas bank. He needs to get that Christmas bank. 
But he's still, he's a genuine guy. He tries to help yes. the customer. He, like, he, 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 he tries. And, and, like, that scene when, again, it's another, it's a poor family that it goes and is looking at these 10-footers and Pete's trying to, trying to sell them this, this really expensive tree. They're going to have to do a down payment. And he says, there's that great line when he goes, get your foot off the brake, Pop. The kids are waiting. Which <laughs> 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 is so hilarious. But yeah, they go like, yeah, wow, it's bigger than our house. I mean, I feel like also for this, to me, like, I think it helped me. This will sound really dumb. But as a child, I think it helped me understand, like, oh, there's, you know, there's families out there where, like, I mean, not to say that I would get a 10-foot Christmas tree. But, like, still, like, it made it clear to me, like, there's families that, like, will not, you know, they don't have much, but they're still grateful what, for what they get. Because when Mickey comes out with that tiny little tree, the, the kids, like, love it right away. And it, it just, it, it, it says a lot, I think. There are a lot of instances, like, even when you were, like, mentioning it, it's like, oh, yeah, there are a lot of instances of, like, poor families in this a hundred percent because that that's a perfect transition to when we get to the the toy drive when there's the the more charity that has to then be given and 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 they say and there there's that great line of like to these kids the only difference between a broken heart and a smile is you and for mickey even when it was one thing when like you know he was maybe like helping get get the tree uh but here it's very directly like he has to get to that jewelry store before it closes and he like sacrifices the time yeah, like, at first it was like, yeah, he's just at work. This is, yeah, yeah, you're right. No, that's a really crucial detail. This, is, this isn't this is his job. This is just something that he does to make kids happy. And there's another detail that I really like that I feel like I kind of, like, took for granted previously. That the band that they're waiting on, because the whole thing, there's supposed to be a band and it's not showing up. It's because there's a fire that's set at Crazy Pete's, uh, which is sort of like his comeuppance for being, a, like, a, a greedy jerk. Uh, but... It's a firehouse band, so the firefighters are busy p- putting out the fire, and that's why they're late. I just thought that was a really cool way to like tie it in, because they could have just so easily been like, oh, the band's running late, for like, no reason. I have not seen It's a Wonderful Life, but I feel like it kind of lends itself to that kind of viewpoint, where it's like, you can be a good person, maybe not like notice like the good things that you do, but you can also be a bad person and not notice like the bad things that you do to like random people. Like Pete's not going to know about these random people in the park, but like his actions like still impacted them. That's really interesting, Michael. You're a hundred percent right. Because it's not like we even see like his, yeah, like we, we don't see Pete again after he has his little come up and it's like probably like halfway through this. And that's really interesting. The, the, the other thing I would then say is the, the, the other half of the story I feel like, again, if then someone was to criticize it, but I'm not even going to give it this criticism. They could say, well, Minnie's side of the story is maybe a little bit undercooked because we just kind of cut to her once in the middle of the Mickey stuff because she's trying to get her Christmas bonus and be like a really helpful helper for Santa or like whatever her job is with like the gift wrapping and whatnot. And look, she then, she, she, she gets that bonus. She gets the bonus, but that bonus, what's the bonus? Fruitcake. It's a fruitcake. <laughs> and he said, "Oh, don't no need to thank me. The expression on your face just thanks enough. It's and it's Mortimer. I like the detail that it's Mortimer. And you know what else I like that Mortimer says? What do you like that he says? When he said that he was making a list and checking it twice. Checking it twice. Exactly. So I like that too. 
so the thing is, like, they, they show that, and it's like, okay, so Minnie's clearly, it's like, they show that she's failed in making the money necessary uh, to get the gift for Mickey. And then she's like, oh, well, what am I going to do? And, like, it kind of, like, cuts away from her on that. Like, it definitely is she has, like, decidedly less screen time than Mickey. But I feel like, and I'm sure an argument can be made either way, but I think that it sort of is a smart choice to just, to not show both of them getting the exact gift that they're getting and the sacrifices that they make to get it. No, yeah, like, it, it treats the audience, like, with respect. Yeah, yeah. Because then it's like, all right, then it's just inevitable, you know where it's going. And, yeah, he trades in his harmonica, but then Minnie gives him a case. He, he gets her that great chain that would attach to her watch, but she, she gave up the watch. Um, and it just shows, you know, they complete each other, Michael. They complete each other. Like, what do you think? What, what do you think in terms of the message of the gift of the Magi? What, what would you say that it's about? I mean, I, I I know this special said it, but I would say that it's about love and oh. about getting things for one another, not just to be like, okay, I have to do it because it's like Christmas, so you know I have to meet the quota of gift giving, but just because like, yeah, I just like hanging out with you and I want to give you something because I like hanging out with you. Right. It was, it's just, it's heartwarming, and it makes me believe in love. A hundred percent. Mickey and Minnie making me, out here making me believe in love. And I think the sacrificial element is definitely really interesting, because so much it's usually just about, like, oh, well then, you know, you're gonna, you're, you, you, just, t just take some time to, like, figure out what's a good gift, and then you buy it for them. But here, when you finally, like, escalate it the most of, like, all right, like, you're, you're treating your family nice and your kids and, like, you know, the, you're, there's there, there's nothing really preventing you from doing so. And then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to help my neighbors in the, in the goofy short when, when they're less fortunate. Here, they are not fortunate themselves. So they, like, are struggling to make ends meet just personally. Their love is so strong that they're willing to give up what they care most about just to make each other happy. And, 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 and not in, an abil in a debilitating way, not because they feel like they have to, but because they want to. And I think that's really, I think that's really beautiful. Me too. And I, I think Mickey and Minnie, I think they nailed it when, when, they, when, they, when they did their little like, cover version of this classic tale. I think they nailed it. I think it's a banger. I absolutely do think that they did a wonderful job. Right. As well. And then last but not least, uh, Toby, Toby Shelton directed the gift of the magi uh story and where to begin with this guy he directed the return of jafar michael the return of jafar it was just going to be the pilot of the aladdin show but it was just so ambitious uh that, that they that they made it a direct-to-video film and it, it created the reason for why there were even direct-to-video features in the first place. It started the trend. It was the first one that Disney did, and it was a huge hit. So you can thank Toby Shelton for Disney doing direct-to-video movies, and because they did direct-to-video movies, he got Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas a direct-to-video movie. So there you have it. So let's all give it up for Toby Shelton. Whoa. You weren't clapping loud enough at home. You have to clap more. I grabbed the quote that Kelsey Grammer, magical narrator, says at the end because I feel like it's something that we we could all uh, we could all hear right now. And I just want to read the quote. Uh, it goes: 
A gift from the heart is cherished and true. A present is best when love's given to. So in the end, it's love that's the reason that Christmas is more than a gift-giving season. It's a time with our loved ones to show that we care when families and neighbors come together to share. So this Christmas season, let us all do our parts to keep Christmas spirit alive in our hearts. It's, it's not just about your own personal experience. It's how what you extend to your fellow family or neighbor and everyone around you. Uh, and, and I think that's what Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas is really all about. And I think that Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas is an abomination! <laughs> it's not good. I didn't like it. Maybe we'll talk about it one day. But look, I, I may, and maybe I'll revisit it and be like, it's not, it's not as bad as I remember. But I remember getting it on Christmas when it came out and being so excited to watch it and putting it on and being like, there's too many stories. There's also, it's less grounded. Like, it fe- like, it, like, like the Huey, Dewey, and Louie this time, they actually go to Santa's workshop. It's, it's, it's too much. It's over the top, uh, biting off way more than it can chew. And also the CGI animation hasn't aged well. That's the, that's the only interesting thing about it, that it's in a theoretical sense. That it's like, okay, well then twice upon a Christmas, they go up a, an additional dimension into CG. And I remember genuinely thinking as a child, well, if they do Mickey's Thrice Upon a Christmas, will it be like a, like a medium I've never seen yet? Like, how will they... <laughs> what would they do next? But they should never do a Mickey's Thrice Upon a Christmas, because that would force them to acknowledge that Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas happened, and it should not have happened. Uh, or, if it was to have happened, it should have been good. And it was not. It was... Bad. As a kid, I liked it. Michael, you were a stupid kid. Yeah, I, I know. This is why we complete each other. <laughs> it's true, it's true. No, what, what is yin without yang? I didn't like the terrible movie and you liked it, so. <laughs> we balance each other out. Um, do you have any other thoughts on Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas? I, 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 want, I want to give you the floor. I want you to say... What, how, you, how you felt, uh, what your experience was with this movie growing up and how it, how it touches you today. I want to hear all about it, please. I watched it all the time. I watched it whether it was Christmas time or whether it was summertime. It was just part of the routine of living for me because I loved it that much. I think that Kelsey Grammer was an excellent choice for the narrator because he has, like, he has a very nice... Like, calming voice. He doesn't sound like Santa, but, like, he sounds kind of like Santa, right? Like, he sounds like the kind of voice that you would hear at the mall when you you wait in line and get your picture taken with Santa. That makes um, so much sense. Yeah, there's a reason why they got him on the radio uh, to do his show. It's a wonderful time. It really brings out the magic in the season. I was so excited, like, when this it was starting up and you get, like, the narrator. Like, even yep. before any of the shorts. Yep. And you just see, like, the house starting to light up. You get to the tree. It feels magical. I couldn't have said it better myself, Michael. It feels really... like Christmas. This movie feels like Christmas, perhaps more than anything. This really, like, this viewing really helps solidify for me. Yeah, no, I love this one. This is probably what will share us I Yeah, it could have been the first Christmas movie I saw. I feel it's, It seems quite possible. Or at least the first, like, Christmas feature-length film. Seems very, very possible. Um, and look, even though we're checking it twice, when we're going upon a Christmas, we do it once. We definitely don't do it twice. 
uh, we don't talk about that one. Um, but yeah, thank you for joining us for this detailed, in-depth breakdown of Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas and the three Treehouse of Horror-esque segments that were a part of it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And we'll be back next time with another uh, Christmas-related piece of media. Which one is it? Can you tell us, Michael? Well, you'll have to, to wait and see. It's like a Christmas gift that you get to open up in your subscription feed. Wow. You know, Michael, I really did you think of that on the spot? Yeah, I did. That's just... Wow. That's really good. I like that a lot. Okay. Well, thank you very much, and we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us for Mickey's Christmas Treehouse of Wonder. <laughs> this Treehouse of Wonder. We got it. Look, he, we, he's got to do uh, a Halloween-themed Treehouse of Horror. They could just call it Mickey's Treehouse of Horror at this point. They have the rights. They have the rights. They'll do it. They, have the, they could literally do a Simpsons, like, like joke. Yeah. Of like the, with the characters, like an actual crossover, not just a reference. Yeah, Homer's like, you stole our idea. Come back here. Yeah. No, we bought the idea, huh? <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks, thanks for listening. Take care. Take care.